Hello everybody, so before I start, this is just a quick updated intro because when I finished editing this review, I just want to make it very, very clear. At the time of recording the main review, I have not seen No Way Home, so just to be clear, there are no spoilers whatsoever. I've realised that I'm uploading this the day after I've uploaded my Spider-Man No Way Home review, but this has no spoilers, so you can listen to this. There are no spoilers for that film at all. I just spoil every other film in the franchise. So Toby's three films, Andrew's two films, and the previous two films leading up to No Way Home, but not including that one. So feel free to listen to this at your own leisure. Do not worry about spoilers for the new one because I haven't seen it when I've recorded the bulk of this review. I've seen it now, so I could say, but I'm not going to say anything. So just enjoy. Enjoy me talking about a lot of spoilers, but to be fair, it's not that long because I don't really know what else to say. I mean, I covered most of the stuff in my normal reviews, so yeah, there's not really much to spoil, but here you go anyway, so please enjoy. Hello everybody, and welcome back to another episode of You Can't Handle the Truth. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about how many films here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven films, all in one. <laughs> I'm going to do a massive Spider-Man spoiler special, so SSS, whatever or the United Spider-Man Spoiler Reviews, the USSR. So, here we go. We're going to talk, I don't know if I'm going to do them in order, or if I'm going to do them however I can remember them. I, you know what I might do? I might start with the latter ones, actually. So, I will start with Tom Holland's, but then I'll come back to it at the end as we build the anticipation up for No Way Home tomorrow. It comes out tomorrow, but when I'm uploading this, it will probably already be out. But, either way, No Way Home is soon. No Way Home is very, very, very close, okay? So we're just going to go through all of the spoilers that I want to talk about that I couldn't in the normal reviews, and we'll see how long it is. I don't think it will be that long, to be fair. It could be shorter than all of them, but I'm just going to get right into it. So I love in Far From Home, the twist, the Mysterio, is actually the villain, because he starts off as a hero, as a kind of um, side hero to help Peter Parker, because he says that he's from a different dimension, and then Peter's like, you're saying there's a multiverse? But it turns out that was all a big fat lie. So there was no multiverse, but now apparently there is. So I don't know what's going on. <laughs> so it's funny how two years ago this was teased that the multiverse was real. And then everybody's brain started going, what? What's going to happen next? But then it was fake. You know, it was it was a lie. But now it is actually real. So, I mean, what the hell's happened? Either way, Mysterio was supposedly from a different Earth. But that was just a big lie because... He said everybody will believe anything nowadays, so they literally made up that lie that he was from a different Earth and everybody bought it. So, you know, who's the schmuck? Is it Peter? Is it the rest of society? It's everybody, okay, it's pretty much everybody, especially Nick Fury. But yeah, Mysterio turned out to be the bad guy, and that reveal is just fantastic. Okay, it's absolutely brilliant. When they're in the bar, he gives over the Edith glasses to Quentin Beck, to Mysterio, and then as soon as Spider-Man leaves, the holograms come down and he's just there like, oh, we got him. <laughs> it's crazy. I did not see that coming. The first time I watched it, I thought, what? Because <laughs> I knew that Mysterio, and I think everybody knows, if they know the comics, they know that Mysterio is a villain. Well, he's kind of a hero, but he's also a villain. But in this film, it seemed to be that he was just a helper. He was there to save the day with Spider-Man. But then... Typical for Marvel, they throw a spanner in the works and they actually twist it up so nicely, which is coming off the back of a very, very good twist in Homecoming. So I'll get onto that now. 
Michael Keaton, okay? We already knew that Michael Keaton was a bad guy, and we knew that he was a vulture, but we did not see this coming. <laughs> we did not see the fact that he was the dad of Liz, okay? <laughs> so when Peter's going to take Liz to prom, he goes up to the house, there's a nice little montage, him getting ready, him dancing, him putting a nice suit on, learning the ways of prom, goes up to the door, rings the bell, who opens it? <laughs> Michael Keaton. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? That right there. That is one of the biggest shocks in any movie. <laughs> any movie. It's such an amazing twist. I thoroughly love that with all my heart. I think it's one of my favourites ever. It's just fantastic. The execution. And then during that scene when he's taking pictures with Liz. And he's just staring at Michael Keaton who's smiling at him. <laughs> Because he doesn't know at the time, he doesn't know that he's actually Spider-Man, but obviously Peter knows that he's the villain. So he's like, oh god. <laughs> and then Michael Keane's just there, not intimidating at all, he's just smiling, he's just so chipper and jolly, it's incredible, okay, it's absolutely incredible. <laughs> I love that so much. And then there's the car sequence where he takes him to prom, you know, Michael Keane's driving them to the school, and... It's so intense, like, when they stop at the red light, and the lighting in this scene is fantastic, okay, so the red light comes on, and you can just see it reflected across Michael Keaton's face, and you can see his face turn as he starts to realise he's actually Spider-Man, and it's like, oh my god, get out of the car, just go, just leave, but he can't, he's trapped, and god, Michael Keaton's performance is spellbinding, okay, in the whole film even, but this is just incredible, it's one of the best performances in a Marvel movie, oh, I love it, I love it so much, so those two twists in those two films, two of the best things in this whole franchise, in this whole era of Spider-Man, okay, those two things are just, you know, top of the list, they are fantastic, and then I think the ending of Far From Home anyway is a major bombshell, so Peter Parker is outed as being Spider-Man, that's huge, okay, he's supposed to be secret, but now everybody knows, so here's the thing, okay, when that film first came out, two years ago, I was like, oh my god, like, what's he gonna do next? And he seemed to be setting up kind of like a John Wick 2 ending, so he was quite literally gonna be on the run in the start of the next film, but now, like, after seeing, like, the trailers for No Way Home and, like, kind of knowing a little bit about what it's about, so, you know, he obviously goes to Doctor Strange to try and reverse the fact that everybody knows who he is, but I was kind of hoping it would be more like an on-the-run type of Spider-Man film. I wasn't really kind of expecting it to be oh, by the way, he's just going to undo everything straight away, so, yeah, I'm a little bit unsure about how No Way Home is actually going to be, in that sense, because it's a huge ending, like, Far From Home ends massively, and it begs the question, is Mysterio actually dead? Because, yeah, he seems to be dead, but the very last thing he says as he's dying, he's like, they'll believe this, they'll believe anything, so, you know, he's talking about how people are very impressionable, and, you never know if what you're actually watching is real, you know, it could be an illusion, and it wouldn't surprise me if he comes back, because it was just an illusion that he died, I don't know, but I'm interested, and I think, yeah, great ending, great film, but great ending, I'm just hoping, here's my hope for the next one, I'm really praying that there's a good twist, because we've had two top tier twists in these Spider-Man films recently, I would love it to maintain that, you know, I'd love it to keep it up, because... Yeah, they seem to nail them, and I mean, the twists in the first bunch of Spider-Man films, let's talk about them, but I can barely remember them, to be fair. 
Because there's not really anything massive. I mean, the only major twist that's striking me as being so evident is Spider-Man 3, when Sandman actually turns out to be the person that killed Uncle Ben. That's a good twist. I, I kind of liked that. I think it's a little bit long-winded because, you know, we've had two movies and in the space of that time... Oh, by the way, Uncle Ben didn't die the way that you think he died. He was actually killed by Sandman. And then even then, that's changed right at the very end. So, yeah, it's interesting, but I like the fact that Sandman has been in there the whole time. I just wish he was actually in it properly in the first one. Like, literally just laying the groundwork right there and then. And then it doesn't come back until two movies later. But they didn't, they just kind of shoehorned it in there saying, oh, by the way, you didn't see the whole thing in the first one. This is actually what happened. So I don't know, I don't know if that's as effective because you look at Far From Home, literally at the start of the film, when they go to Venice, Mysterio is there. Jake Gyllenhaal is standing behind him, just blinking, you'll miss it, but he's there laying the seeds, okay? When MJ and Peter are walking down one of the little canals, you see one of the bad guys later on, like, appear there. So... They're laying the foundations there for what's to come. Yes, it is only in the one movie, so fair enough they have the freedom to do that. Because it would be very difficult if, you know, you try and set up in the first Spider-Man film, Thomas Hayden Church, even though he's going to age a few years in the space between the first one and the third one. So I get what they've done and I understand why they've done it, but I would have preferred if it was actually, I don't know, done a little bit better, like a tiny little bit better, but... The way that Sandman is handled, I think, is great. He doesn't actually die-die. So that begs the question, how has he returned in No Way Home? Like, is it actually the same one, like the explicit same one? Or is it a variation? Is it a different universe one? I don't know, but he didn't actually die. But yeah, he just kind of disappeared and vanished into thin air. So yeah, I mean, the two other villains in that film did die. So you have New Goblin or Hobgoblin, whatever the hell he's called. He dies, so that's very poetic of how his father died he gets stabbed with his own goddamn hoverboard thing <laughs> i mean brilliant okay <laughs> absolutely brilliant it's kind of i don't i don't know I, I would it's not sad it's not kind of sad it's just kind of interesting how it ends very very similarly to the first film and i like that poetic justice to come back round full circle but it seems a bit on the nose like the fact that they literally both died through very very similar means except this time Venom grabs, well it's not Venom, it's a fake imposter Venom, grabs his hoverboard Tony Hawk skateboard thingy-ma-bobby and stabs him through the back into his heart. So yeah, it's an interesting situation that unfolds there. But Venom, he dies nicely because you know what, his thing I noticed, when he actually gets blown up and Topher Grace runs in, you see the bones, like you see him like kind of disintegrate, but the bones and the flesh just burns off. It's actually quite graphic. I love it. Yeah, because that's the most satisfying thing ever when Venom in this movie has been trash. And why is he even in it? Because, yeah, like I did actually say, this is more spoilers, but it does just crash to earth. Like Venom just comes down randomly one night in a ball of fire. That's it. And then he just kind of latches on to Peter Parker. He just so happens to land exactly where Peter and MJ are. Are we going to talk about that? Are we going to talk about the fact that out of everywhere in the entire world for this symbiote to land, it lands right where Peter is? Really? I mean, it's not got that much of a conscience that it's able to dictate where it's about to burn up and land. So the ironic nature of the fact that it has landed exactly there 
it's stupid. It's stupid, okay? I don't like that. I don't like Venom in this film. I don't like anything in this film, to be fair. But it's entertaining as hell because it's so bad. But then, speaking about the other two Tobey Maguire films, you've got both villains seemingly dying. Well, I mean, Willem Dafoe definitely dies as Green Goblin. He gets impaled like Harry does. But then Dr. Octopus kind of... Uh, does he die? Because, I mean, he seemingly drowns. Okay, the last we see him, he's falling in the river with his massive, you know, collider thing. So, fair enough, that's probably going to kill anybody. But this Dr. Octopus we're talking about, he could survive that. So, I'm interested to see how he's in the new one. Like, has he been transported there and then? I don't know. But I'm just really confused as to why everybody is back. Because... You know, I mean, Homecoming, I did briefly mention this, but there's a lot of villains in that film. You've got the Tinkerer, you've got Vulture, there's Scorpion teased, Aaron Davis is in it, so the Prowler is teased too. So it is actually a bigger film than most might realise, and even though they are just... Oh, Shocker as well, Shocker's in it too. There's actually two Shockers, because one of them gets killed, so... Yeah, there's a lot more villains than I think a lot of people realise and remember. Because I sure as hell forgot that Scorpion was a thing in this film, but he is just teased. And then he's in the post credit sequence, but that never really comes back. So I'm hoping... Well, I don't expect him to be in No Way Home, but I'm presuming that eventually he's going to come back. But yeah, we'll see about that. Either way, a lot of villains are actually in Homecoming. And then coming off the back of Amazing Spider-Man 2, which everybody thought was bloated, you only had the Rhino... Electro and New Goblin or Green Goblin he probably yeah he's probably Green Goblin but you only had those three and even then Rhino is only in it at the start and then right at the very end Electro is the main villain so it's not really that packed at all because yeah Electro is pretty hefty in the film like he's got a lot of development and I like what he's done with him you know for him to fall into that vat of electric eels yes it's very on the nose again similar to how Venom comes into it in Spider-Man 3 you know, it's so ironic and so on the nose that, oh, he falls into a, a big bowl of electric eels, hence the name Electro. But I think it works. You know, I think Jamie Foxx does a pretty fine job performing as Electro. Like, maybe I'm the only person that thinks that, but I actually like him. And then Green Goblin is just a goblin creature thing. He just injects himself with bad blood and then ends up turning into a creature. So, yeah, that's kind of cool. But then... Biggest spoilers for this franchise, he then kills Gwen Stacy, which is tragic. <laughs> it's so tragic. And this was teased in the trailer. We saw her falling, but nobody actually thought oh, she's going to die from that. You know, Spider-Man's got her. She's going to save her. No, she dies. She only bloody falls to her death and smacks her head and cracks everything. And it's honestly depressing. Like That's the only time I've ever cried in a Spider-Man film so far. It's so sad. It's really, really emotional because I love... Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone in that film, and in the first one too, I think Gwen Stacy and Peter Parker are a really, really good couple, and then to literally kill her off is heartbreaking, it's so sad, but did it need to be done? I don't think so, I really don't think it needed to be done, but character development, that's what it is, I don't don't get it, but this is the thing, I'm kind of glad we didn't get to see Amazing Spider-Man 3, because even though I would love to see more of Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man, I don't think it would have worked if Gwen's not in it. The relationship that he has, not only with Gwen, but with himself, and how he's balancing his Peter Parker life with Spider-Man, seeing a Spider-Man film without his love interest, and when it's as good as it is for Gwen Stacy, I don't think that would have worked, so I'm kind of glad we didn't get to see it, but 
I would have loved to have seen any more films with Andrew Garfield in it. So, is he going to be in No Way Home? No, that's my answer. No, I don't think he is going to be in it. <laughs> and I'm waiting for everybody to be disappointed. But they never outright said they're going to be in it. In fact, he's explicitly said many, many times he's not in it. He hasn't had a call. So, I don't think he's going to be in it. I really don't think so. But... Yeah, it would be cool. It would be very, very cool, absolutely. It would be the most incredible thing I think I've seen all year, but I don't think they're going to be in it, and I don't mind that. So, yeah. Alright, so just a bit of context. This next part of the review I've recorded a couple of days after the first part, so if I repeat myself, because I can't remember what I've talked about in that previous part, I'm sorry, but we're going to just try and wrap this up soon, because I don't think there's much more to say. I mean, I'm going to start by saying, I remember this part I didn't talk about, the scene in Far From Home, when all the drone tech is being used to kind of give the illusion that Spider-Man is tripping out, it's mental, okay? It's fantastic. It's one of the best scenes Marvel has ever done. So when Mysterio is fooling Spider-Man, the line he says at the end is so good. It's easy to fool people when they're already fooling themselves. Love that. Love that so much. That whole scene is like something ripped straight out of a comic book, or Into the Spider-Verse. It feels like a live-action version of that. It's fantastic, right? It's so, so cleverly done. Everything flows tremendously, right? The pacing of it all, the visual effects, the design of everything. It's beautiful, right? It's fantastic. It's the best scene I've ever seen in a Spider-Man film, put it that way, 100%. I, I really, really love that scene, okay? I love so many other quieter scenes in the whole franchise. The one in Homecoming, when Peter's being driven to prom by Michael Keaton's character, that's one of my favourite scenes too, but, you know, this scene, in terms of spectacle, in terms of a visual treat and the easter eggs for fans, it's fantastic, right? Mysterio does a great job, he's a great villain, love him in Far From Home, he's pretty crazy and sinister, but he's brilliant, you know, and I love Jake Gyllenhaal, so I can't not love this character, even if he's a bad guy, he's not a bad guy, he's just, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal, he's awesome, I love him, so... Yeah, Far From Home is epic. Love that film. Uh, did I talk about Amazing Spider-Man 2? I can't remember. I, I think I briefly mentioned about Electro, but... I mean, what else to talk about with that film, actually? <laughs> I can't remember. I love it, though. <laughs> I really enjoy that film. Nobody else does. All right? Not many people actually enjoy The Amazing Spider-Man 2, but I think it's actually weirdly kind of good. So maybe people need to give it another shot. Maybe they need to rewatch it, because, yeah, I'll hold my hands up and say... I didn't think it was as good as the first one, but when it first came out, a lot of people criticised that film for the same things that they praised Homecoming for, even though it does exactly the same thing. In fact, Homecoming might do it worse when they have too many villains and they're never developed, so it's weird that you can criticise Amazing Spider-Man 2 for that fact, but I think it's actually fine. I think it's a very fun film, and the action is great when Electro's fighting Spider-Man and he's shooting electric bolts at him and all that stuff looks great, okay? The visual design of it all, the soundtrack is good. Just the feel for it. And watching it in 3D especially, I mean, this was back when 3D was a huge thing. Now it's just kind of sadly died out, but I mean, maybe not sadly because people hated that, but I didn't mind it. And the 3D effects for Amazing Spider-Man 2... Gorgeous, right? Absolutely stunning. It's one of the best films you could watch in 3D. But it does feel as though you're gonna have an epileptic fit because all the lightning bolts and everything just shooting at you. It is crazy, right? If you do have epilepsy, do not watch it because it's just, you know, painful and it's gonna kill you. But it's fun, right? Seeing Electro 
blue is weird, but it's still cool. I like Jamie Foxx in it. I like that film. I just really enjoyed that film. Amazing Spider-Man 1. You've got lizards. I spoke about that, I think. I can't remember. But yeah, he turns himself into a lizard. Then he tries to turn the whole city into a lizard. And yeah, I mean, he actually starts off by doing that. He turns a few of the police officers into lizards. But then, miraculously, they come back as if it's nothing. So I don't know the logic of that, but... Yeah, it's kind of never really explained, but they just managed to cure everybody. But I would have thought there'd be some serious damages done if you actually turn into a lizard, but then you get to turn back. I, I, I don't know. It's weird. Never really explained, but a lot of these things don't need to be explained. But that shot, there's a shot at the end of The Amazing Spider-Man when Kirk Connors has been arrested and he's taken to prison. And the news report says he's in jail. And the camera is positioned in, like, a cupboard, but there's slats in the cupboard so you can actually see the TV. And it's got, like, bars across the screen. So the news report is saying Kurt Connors is behind bars, and the framing of it all is literally him behind bars. Right, that's genius, right? The directing by Mark Webb is actually pretty damn good, especially coming off the back of Sam Raimi films, which are, you know, fairly well-directed. Like One or two are very well-directed. Like, they're cheesy in their camp, but... It's just good directing, either way, and some of it's shot exactly like a horror film, which is great. But Spider-Man 3, yeah, no. Either way, coming off the back of that, Mark Webb does a very good job. You know, I think he deserves more credit for what he actually does for these two films. And I wish he did a third. You know, I wish Andrew did a third. I wish he did a third. A third amazing Spider-Man film, because it would be great. You know, I think it would be genuinely fantastic to get a lot of people back onto Andrew Garfield's side, because... Yeah, it seems like he's recently become a very, very well-established actor, and he's been in a lot of great stuff. He's got Oscar buzz around him this year for Tick, Tick, Boom. So I think, you know, give him another Spider-Man film, and it would be a success. It would be a success. Like, 100%, it would make money. Please, Sony. Please just do it. Okay, so one of the last things I want to talk about in this episode is, in Far From Home, I feel bad talking about this, and I feel like such an ass, but... Iron Man's dead, sorry. <laughs> Iron Man is dead. And he features a lot in Far From Home. I think he's in this more than he is in Homecoming, but he's actually alive in Homecoming. The difference is, every single time they go to a different place, there's always something to reference Iron Man. So whether it's a mural on a wall, whether it's a poster, whether it's a billboard, whatever it is, whether it's somebody dressed up, Every single scene has Iron Man in it. It's crazy. Now, I didn't fully realise this until I watched it again the other night. And it's heavy, right? There is a lot of Iron Man references and stuff, even though he's dead. Now, I feel like such an idiot saying that he's dead. But spoilers, you know, for Endgame, even though this film is set after Endgame. So if you listen into this, if you've already watched Far From Home, you know what's happened. But I still feel horrible for saying that. And it's still too soon. So, yeah. It's tragic, but it's also kind of funny how, literally how much Tony Stark is referenced. I mean, even when Peter's crying and he's talking to Happy and, you know, they're saying about how they miss him. You know, he, he's always there. He is literally always there, just lurking, whether people want to talk about him, whether people look up and see something about him. Iron Man is everywhere, so I think he's in this more than he is in Homecoming, because he's only in about two, two, maybe three scenes of Home. Yeah, three scenes at least. Okay. Four scenes of Homecoming he's in. He's in at the start, he's in the scene when he's in India, he's in the scene when he speaks to Peter, and he takes his suit off of him, and then he's in it at the end. That's four scenes, that's all he's in it. 
So, yeah, I think he's in Far From Home more, but it's funny. Uh, apart from that, what else to talk about really quickly? I don't know. I mean, it's been a few days since I've watched him, so I can barely remember what I wanted to talk about, but I never really had anything in mind, so, yeah, I mean, Spider-Man is great. Every single movie is fun. That's the thing. It's at least fun. They may not be good, they may not be great, but they are just pure fun, and I'm really hoping that the new one is just as fun. I'm hoping that it may not be a good film, but... As long as I have an entertaining time and it's got some fan service that's actually good, I'll be happy. I'll be very happy with that. So yeah, we'll see how it goes, but I'm very apprehensive slash super excited. So yeah, looking forward to that. This has been pretty much the whole of the Spider-Verse, wrapping it up right before No Way Home. So I hope you've enjoyed. hope you've enjoyed all of these. If you've listened to all of them, then respect but if you haven't then don't worry about it because i would not i'm never gonna listen to these again so with that yeah i mean i guess i'm done oh if i had to rank should i rank them i don't think i can rank them i mean i already ranked uh spider-man 213 that's how i'd put that franchise and then i'd go for amazing okay amazing spider-man 1 then 2 obviously far from home and homecoming they're equal to me because i love homecoming but far from home is genuinely brilliant, so, god, it's tricky, okay, I'd say, I don't, no, I don't think I can do it, I don't think I can do it, okay, all I know is, 231 for Toby's, I reckon I could put The Amazing Spider-Man 1, I'd put it above Spider-Man 2, I prefer that one to all of Toby's films, I'd say Amazing Spider-Man 2, maybe between 2 and 1 for Toby's films, but then again, I still really like that film, So it could easily go right below The Amazing Spider-Man 1. But I think, you know, I've got to be fair. I've got to give Toby some credit. So I'd go the two Tom Holland films, because I love them both more than the others. Then I'd go Amazing Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2, Amazing Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man 3. That's probably what I'd do. But I don't fully know. I enjoy them all. I enjoy every single one of them. So maybe I'm an idiot. Maybe I like the bad stuff too much. Probably do, but... Yeah, Spider-Man is Spider-Man. Spider-Man is cool. I like Spider-Man. He's amazing. He's spectacular. And I cannot wait for the new ones. Okay, so a little quick update at the end here. I finished editing the review and I realised that there were some things I missed out, but it's only because I actually ended up re-watching Spider-Man 3 last night. And I don't even know why. I was editing at the time, so I wasn't fully focused on it. But yeah, a couple more things I want to say. It's really funny in this film, in Spider-Man 3, of course, when you've got Topher Grace's Eddie Brock, he goes to church, right? And what does he pray for? What does he pray to Jesus for? He prays to kill Peter Parker. (laughs) I mean... It's so dumb. It's so stupid. You go into church, what are you going to pray for to kill somebody? I mean, that kind of defeats the purpose of going to church to try and cleanse his sins. I'm pretty sure that's what he says. He says, forgive me, Father, for I've sinned or whatever. Please, can you just kill Peter Parker? <laughs> Come on, it's so dumb. I hate this film, but I love it at the same time. It's so bad, but so good. And, you know, for a lot of it, I was thinking, damn, that's actually very well done. In terms of Sandman, right, the CGI for Sandman right at the start is gorgeous, right? His theme and his CGI things when he's got every single molecule of sand that you can see, it's gorgeous. Then it gets to all the muddy kind of sand and it's horrific, like it's genuinely awful to look at. It was like throwing mud, throwing muddy sand into my eyes, that's how much it was painful to look at. But yeah, it's not good, but it's kind of just nostalgic. And Emo Peter, I didn't speak once about Emo Peter 
I, good reason. <laughs> I don't want to talk about emo Peter in this film. It's, oh, God, it's not good. It's really not good. I mean, at one point, he's getting into a fight with everybody at the jazz club thing after he's embarrassed MJ, and he fully backhands her and he knocks her on the ground, which I don't know if anybody remembers that, but, yeah, I sure as hell didn't because it was kind of shocking but hilarious at the same time. So, yeah, emo Peter is a uh, loose cannon. He's wild. And he should never be spoken of ever again. So that's me done with that. What I will say is to tie into the other films that I want to mention. The crane sequence in this film looks great. And I mentioned it in the non-spoiler review. But it's actually really nicely shot. And I think that's where the majority of the budget went. Because it looks great. Like the CGI is fantastic. Choreography is pretty good too. The performances are great as well. When Gwen Stacy played by Bryce Dallas Howard. Which you know she's in this film. Quite surprising but yeah she's good in this for the moments that she's in it she's only in it like two scenes i swear but it's great when she's falling and then toby comes in and saves her it's exciting and it does make you think oh is he gonna get her or is she gonna fall and yeah of course she falls but he catches her right the last second and i mean yeah he's got a better track record for catching gwen stacy than andrew garfield does God, too soon way too soon <laughs> but yeah it's a it's a good crane sequence and speaking of crane sequences it's funny how every single franchise has had a cool shot with a crane in it. So in Far From Home, it's only brief. Like, I don't think many people will remember it, but when Mysterio is kind of doing all the illusions for Peter right before he gets hit by a train and ends up in Netherlands, which is great. That sequence is great too. I really love that. But the Mysterio illusion sequence, he actually pulls a crane down because it's like not an actual crane, but he thinks it's, a, well, he thinks it's like a big mold statue thing of Mysterio so he's pulling it down and then a crane comes straight towards him through the drone hologram things so that's cool you know that crane sequence is cool but talk about excellent and the most amazing crane sequence of a Spider-Man film that goes to the first amazing Spider-Man right it just does right at the end as he's about to go and fight Lizard at the Oscorp Tower he's injured he's been shot by a goddamn police officer and he needs to get there quick, but he can't really go that fast because, you know, he's injured, he's badly hurt. He's bleeding, he's limping, he's in serious pain. But then all the cranes just start to turn and they kind of light up a path for him. So all he has to do is go straight and he can swing from crane to crane. And it's the most hyped up thing Spider-Man could do. So it just gets you pumped, all right? It's just so thrilling and so exciting. It's a great callback too, because the guy that sets this all up, he was the dad of the boy that Spider-Man saved earlier in the film on the bridge sequence. So now he's come back into it, nice bit of poetic justice, and he's helping Spider-Man, lining up all the cranes. It's so, so kind of heartwarming at the same time as being just absolutely thrilling. Like seeing that, seeing them all line up, and then the music kicks in, He's swinging along, he's trying to gain strength, and, you know, you can just feel him gaining momentum, and it feels as though we're along for that ride too, so I love that, I love that sequence so much, I think it's probably my favourite sequence in the whole of his two films, now I do like those films especially, but that moment in particular, it's great, okay, it's really, really good, and I just love the agility that Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man has, because we didn't really get that in Toby's films, I mean, yeah, he's Spider-Man and he can do backflips and whatever, but it kind of just felt like Toby was still being Toby when he was Spider-Man, whereas Andrew Garfield feels as though he's literally changing completely to become Spider-Man, and so agile, it's crazy, like the moves that he's doing, the web swinging, the dodging attacks from Lizard, all of that stuff, 
it looks great and it feels great so the choreography and the actual execution of it all is so much better than it is for the previous three films now yeah i know i'm being harsh when i'm saying that but i just didn't feel that for toby's films like i think it's to do with the cgi as well because yeah obviously it's old now it's 20 years old the first one is almost but it looks like shit. It looks so bad. CGI is just awful, man. And yeah, I know it looks cool. Like what it's trying to go for, it does look cool. I can respect that. But uh, the execution, uh, <laughs> no, it's not good. It's really not good. So yeah, I do enjoy Andrews a lot more. And then I enjoy Tom's even more. So I just love Spider-Man and I love these films. I love everything. Okay, I do love them, even though I find the old ones haven't held up well i i still enjoy them i still enjoy them very much it's just yeah they haven't aged well they have not aged well <laughs> at all so yeah go and watch them just for toby's facial expressions and the memes because the amount of memes that came from them like i mentioned in the reviews is stellar right absolutely stellar and they are fantastic they are hilarious and genius and fantastic are they good films i don't know i don't know <laughs> I think they definitely get better as they go on, like in terms of the franchises, not in terms of Spider-Man 1, 2, 3, because 3 is not better than 2, 3 is not good. But in terms of going from Toby's to Andrew's, then Andrew's to Tom's, I think they do get better, and that's kind of impressive. So yeah, Spider-Man is great, I love Spider-Man, I'm excited for the new one, I've already seen it, but I'm just going to say I'm excited for it anyway. (laughs) And yeah, this has been... The entire Spider-Verse thing, wrapping it up with a nice little bow. I will do a spoiler review for No Way Home, but it's a long one, so it's going to take me a while to edit it. Either way, this has been, you know, the whole culmination of everything that I've spoken about for the last week. Like, it's been heavy, so I need to take a break. I'm excited for what comes next. I hope everybody else is too, and I do hope everybody's enjoyed everything that I've talked about and this whole franchise thing that I'm doing, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, I hope it hasn't been too much. I may need to take a bit of a break before I do another big franchise, but yeah, it's been pretty fun. So with that, I'm in a massive Spider-Man binge right now. I just can't get enough of them. I've rewatched almost all of them again because they're just great. They're so fun. So yeah, I urge you to go and watch them, then go and watch No Way Home because it's going to make a billion dollars. Trust me, it is going to make a lot of money. And yeah, rightfully so. With that, I've been Kieran. And yeah, I'm done. I shall speak to you tomorrow, possibly. We'll see. We will see. But either way, in the next episode of You Can't Handle the Truth.